0: Welcome to to smartpeoplepodcast.com.
1: Hello, welcome to Smart People Podcast. Conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I'm Chris Stemp. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today we're talking about uh, a topic that we're all fairly familiar with. It's been dominating the news for over a year now. It's been really brought into the forefront by the Occupy Wall Street movement and the idea of the 1%. We're talking about income inequality. And finally, we have... Two folks on the show today that are proposing a solution. And after listening to this episode, I got to admit, I like what they have to say. And they've even changed my views a little bit. My views have been changing over time, as I mentioned. But this whole idea of corporate taxation, there's just so much wrong with it. And it's more than just tax loopholes. It's more than just raising the the corporate rate, which for a while made sense to me until I realized what it actually means to run a small business. You know, small business can, sure, it can be millions of dollars, and you think, oh, they got plenty of money. But it can also be, you know, tens of thousands, or maybe a couple, you know, in the six figures. And after you're trying to pay staff, and help, I don't need to go into it. But the point is, there's a lot of nuances, and I'm happy to bring on the show today two very smart gentlemen who are proposing a solution that they call the third way. The first way being capitalism, the second way being socialism, both of which have their strengths and weaknesses, the third way being inclusive capitalism. So on the show today we have Upendra Shivukula and Veni Musum. Man, those were not easy names, and I'm not even positive I got them correct, even though I asked them. Just for some background, Upendra was nominated by Governor Chris Christie as Commissioner to the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities. Prior to that, he served as the Deputy Speaker of the New Jersey Assembly and represented the 17th Legislative District. He holds a Master's Degree in Electronic Engineering and is one of the New Jersey Legislative's leading experts on science and technology. Venny began work in corporate America as District Manager for Clairol. He moved on to Paul Mitchell and quickly rose to become senior vice president. He's a successful real estate and equity investor, and he learned firsthand the importance of capital and cash flow producing assets. Another thing that's interesting is Venny is a Republican, Upendra is a Democrat. What they are proposing is pretty much a bipartisan effort. The book is called The Third Way, Economic Reform or Social Revolution, The Solution to Income Inequality. And the key here is Building Inclusive Capitalism Through Employee Ownership. I don't need to get into much more because we talk about it in the interview. So I'm going to get into the interview. Guys, we're, we're getting active on Twitter. So if you're over there, we're at Smart People Pod. Let us know what you think. Reach out. We love hearing from you. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter at smartpeoplepodcast.com. And as always, at this time of year, happy holidays, safe travels, and enjoy. So it's, I love having two guests on at the same time. It it We've done it a few times in the past and it always provides for a new dynamic. So appreciate you both being on. And I really want to jump in because I want to spend the kind of entire episode on this subject, given how complex it is, how new and different it is. And in the little bit that I know thus far, uh, it, it seems like a really good solution. So if you guys could give us a brief, and then we'll we'll go in each section. A brief overview of what you mean by you know the third way. What is inclusive capitalism?
2: Okay, great point. Um, yeah, the reason we we wrote the book in the first place is because what's happening both domestically and internationally is not working. That I think is pretty obvious to everyone. The level of discontent, um, boarding on unrest, is uh, is rising dramatically. Um, and the third way really is this. It breaks down the two extremes one of the logos in the book says um, capitalism is is uh, works, but isn't fair. Socialism works in theory, but it doesn't work. So capitalism isn't fair. Socialism doesn't work. This is the third way.
1: What about communism?
2: Uh, well, communism really is 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 the ultimate end of, of the socialist. Yeah, communism
3: has failed. Yeah. So okay, so you're
1: saying that the two that have that could or have sort of worked being capitalism and socialism, but the next one, the the, the best newest is this third way. Right. right. Okay. In
3: America, you have capitalism, and in Europe, uh, many other countries, you have socialism, and. Uh, the number of financial problems, a lot of things that are going on. And, um, you know, the, the key here is that the, what is the problem? The problem is that over the past three or four decades, the U.S. economy has grown
1: mm-hmm.
3: and the real work earnings of the workers has not grown, gone up. And um, how is that we're going to engage the uh, real workers, uh, regular workers to be part of this growing economy? Mm-hmm. I think that's what the third way is all about. Actually, that's a really great way of putting it to just
1: succinctly say it's look, if we're talking about capitalism specifically, we're talking about it in the United States, the largest economy in the world, you know, most prosperous. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, but it is working in a sense in that the economy is growing. However, for most people, their wages, their their the value of the money they have is either the same or declining. And that's yeah. a problem. That's, that's so the it, problem okay. we're solving, right?
3: Yeah. The uh, you know, benefits those in the upper 10% uh, of the earnings and the bulk of the earnings go to the 10% of primarily those in the upper 1%. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Chris, let me just say right off the bat, in our book, The Third
2: Way book, millionaires and billionaires already know what's in this book. They know it. Uh, the real growth is on the capital side of the equation. Some, some great uh, pieces of, of information that is on our website, which is thethirdwaybook.com, shows, uh, for example, on the CBO uh, of the last couple decades, the top 1% income has grown over 275%, while the lower, the, the bottom 80% has been stagnant, if not declining. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that, there was another study done by Brookings that showed um recently that for the top 20% uh, of earners, 86% of their income was coming from capital wealth and capital income. So that, you know, my math tells me that 14% is left for everybody else. We other 80%. So it's really pretty clear that the real growth, the, the reason that this disparity is happening is because of the capital side, the capital growth. Is, and most people don't even know what that is. I
1: was going to say, if you could explain what you mean by capital wealth, capital income.
2: Okay. Um, uh, the first thing you have to know, and this is, I'm glad we have the time to explain this. Sure. There's 10. If people understand what capital is, capital is 10 things. Capital is anything that increases the productive power of labor. We should etch that in stone. Capital is anything that increases the productive power of labor. What that means is. Anything beyond your your muscle and sinew and your your physical labor, everything else that's a tool. Um, For example, a a great analogy is a carpenter with a hammer is a capitalist because he has a tool.
1: Hmm.
2: A carpenter with a hammer gun is an ultra capitalist. A carpenter with a crew of people that are working with power tools are mega capitalists and a carpenter with a team that shares the wealth that they produce with those tools is, is a saint. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people that hate capitalism, it's because they don't they, they, what they hate is the fact that the people that are owning the, this productive power, it's not owned by the masses of people, it's owned by a smaller and smaller share. And that is a very, very bad thing because technology is –
3: and I hope we hope we can get into that. Technology is driving this big disparity in wealth. I think one other point I would like to make, uh, Chris, is that, uh, you know, w- in the old fashioned way is, you know, go to work, work for eight hours a day and uh, your wages keep increasing and you make some money. But if you have you have taken that money and you have saved the money and invested in the stock market or some kind of uh, equity increasing, uh, uh, that would, uh, that is your capital, you know, whether it's a real estate, whether it's a you know, options, whatever it might be, that 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 is your capital, and that capital grows. Uh, it doesn't work only eight hours a day. It works mm-hmm. twenty-four hours and uh, seven days a week, and uh, all through the year. Right. I think that's the key, and uh, a lot of the workers, uh, their even their wages are stagnant, and even if they had wages increasing, they're not going to increase at the same rate. As the capital growth. If you look at the stock market, how it has grown, and uh, not everybody has uh, stocks. And uh, people are some people are fortunate. About uh, ten thousand people are fortunate to be working for companies that are uh, giving uh, 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 ten thousand companies. I guess they are giving uh, capital uh, ownership and sharing, Mm -hmm. and that's what is helping them. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, the, the the statistic is.
2: Uh, they're now, uh, which is shocking. but Most people don't realize this. There's a quiet revolution going on, Chris, that people are not aware of. Um, as you, Pender just mentioned, there's over 10,000 companies doing this now, where workers get a piece of shared equity. And 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 recently, uh, as of two years ago, um, there's nearly 15 million people participating in this, which just passed the amount of people in private unions. So the union membership is is going down pretty dramatically. While well, the amount of people that are getting uh, equity in, the, in their business is rising, but we'd like to get that that amount with the intelligent public policy from 15 million to 150 million. You would literally permanently solve the income inequality problem, and everybody wins: the workers win, the companies win, and and the society wins. Um, every one of those uh, segments wins because the workers now share in that capital wealth, the companies. Um, There's a great book out called um, Shared Capitalism that shows it's based on over 100 years of data that shows virtually every metric, every business metric. And I was a business person, whether it's profits or sales or or or, uh, morale or absenteeism, everything, everything you want to go up, goes up, everything you want to go that you don't want to go up, doesn't. So it's a win win for the company. The company's not 100 percent, but generally it's 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 it works very, very well for the company. Uh, and lastly, and probably really importantly, is society in general wins, because now you if you have people having their own wealth, you don't have to have this redistribution model, which is the socialistic and the, you know, the real extreme version, the communistic version where the state owns everything. We want the people to, you know, one of our sayings is, you know, the old saying power to the people, um, power to the people, put the money back in the hands of the people, but not through the government, through private industry. And everyone right. goes, wow what a great idea. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why aren't we doing this? And and, and and I often say is, we give lectures in, in, in the colleges and universities, and, and the students are like, you know, especially the young people, are like, this is, this is great. And I say, listen, don't be mad at your elected official, uh, because sadly, they don't know the solution, because they don't even understand the problem.
1: Right. And well, here's the thing. I want to, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because I want to get to this solution, but first, I really want to outline this problem because a lot of people, I think, can hear this or read whatever we write up about it and go, "Yeah, yeah, we know income inequality uh, is bad, and that's what you know, Occupy Wall Street. Everybody knows it's the top huge one, shoe. huge Yeah, the top one percent, awful. Okay, we get that, but it's it's more than that, and I really want to talk about first, we are let's go into the technology thing, for example. Yeah. So the way it's, it's obvious that if we stay on this path, at least it seems obvious to me and tell me if I'm wrong, if we oh, stay, yeah. if we stay on this path, people that can acquire resources, resources, doing more of the resource, the resources you can acquire are able to do more things, call it technology, computers, machines, whatever. And so yep. those people produce more, need less labor, and eventually this is going to continue due to technology, right? Previously, you needed manual labor. You almost don't need it anymore.
3: Well, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I just want to say that, you know, uh, when we t- start with the problem, uh, our founding fathers understood the importance of broad-based ownership. Uh, for example, uh, President John Adams Adams. Uh, said that property monopolized or in, in the possession of a few is a curse to mankind. We should preserve not absolute equality that is un, that is unnecessary, but preserve all from extreme poverty and all others from extravagant riches. I think that's what uh, President Adams said. Yes, I think yeah. that's what uh, the third way you know, addresses that issue of the gap that is uh, ever increasing gap that is growing between the uh, rich and the poor and also uh, for a strong a democracy to be strong you need a very strong middle class and if your middle class is becoming uh, going in economic uh, way they're going going poor then it, it makes it tough, and uh, there's all this unrest, whether it's uh, Occupy Wall Street or whatever Baltimore. it is. Or the crime rates, yeah. and uh, people are uh, uh, they're looking for opportunity, access to opportunity, and they're uh, left behind. I think that's the, that's the problem. We need to address that, and uh, we believe that uh, uh, ownership, creating an ownership society would address uh, most of those problems. Your pender brings up a really, really important point. This is not
2: a new concept. The founding fathers—Washington, uh, Jefferson, Madison, Adams—the first four presidents. If you will, if you go on our website, thethirdwaybook.com, you will see the quotes directly from those our first four presidents. They understood that they understood they wanted three things. Let's be clear—they wanted low taxes, limited government, and broad-based property ownership. We have to understand it. I'm, I'm the I'm the, the Republican, my friend, my colleague. My co-author is the Democrat. But I, to all my Republican friends out there, you have to understand something. If you didn't have the third one, if you don't have broad-based property ownership, by definition, you have to have the other two. Because if people don't have property, they, you have to have high taxes uh, and, and you have to have a big government to redistribute wealth, which is the socialistic model. So my, my, my conservative colleagues need to understand if we don't solve this problem and, and, and bring more wealth in the form of capital and property. Now, in, in our founders' day, it was all based on land. It was an agrarian economy. But they understood people needed to have enough, enough property to, for subsistence. Now, fast forward, Abraham Lincoln and the Homestead Act. The Homestead Act was a brilliant move done by one, another, one of our great, if not our greatest president. The Homestead Act basically gave people capital. It gave them 160 acres of land. Uh, for free, for nothing, just by um, if they go and work the land and stay in the land for a few years. Uh, and, and, and one of our, uh, I'll, I'll give you a name out of history that I guarantee you, uh, I'd be I'm shocked if, if, if any of your people hmm. do the name Galusha A. Grow. No Who idea. Who was Galusha A. Grow?
1: <laughs> no <Right>. idea.
2: <laughs> no idea, right? Well, to all my Republican friends, he happened to have been the father of the Republican Party. And he was the Speaker of the, of the House of Representatives under Abraham Lincoln. Okay? And in his last speech to Congress, he said, based on the Homestead Act, in, and I'll paraphrase in the future, we will not be able to, to solve the property, uh, broad based property ownership through land because there's only a limited amount of land. In the future, we will have to do it through shares of corporations. Hello?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. We'll- it's a, that quote is right on our website. Ooh. So don't let any Republican or any conservative tell you that this is not a. It's both a. It's 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 an idea that works for both conservatives, Democrats, Republicans, liberals, everybody. This is an idea steeped in history, and Pender is absolutely right about that. Bringing up our founding fathers.
1: I want to talk about the founding fathers in a minute here. But one thing I have to point out is, as you mentioned, kind of property property ownership, I think about what happened, I believe it was under Clinton, I think in the 90s, you know, let's have everybody own houses. And that directly led to the real estate boom, and then bust, which was a massive a problem. So what is the difference between owning property the right way and then doing it in a way where, hey, look, everyone should have a house and now we've created our own problem?
2: Yeah, stupid idea. Stupid idea. Because a house is not an asset. A house is not an income-producing asset. But how does that differentiate? I'm trying to –
1: how is it not property,
3: I guess, as well? No, I, I think in the case of uh, under, uh, Clinton administration, I think they gave out – uh, they they actually uh, l- loosened all the credit requirements and then they gave to people who who could uh, hardly pay the mortgage payments. I think that was a, a mistake as we realized later on that led to the uh, foreclosures and all mm-hmm. those things. Right. I think that what we are saying is that uh, let's say I work for a company and in addition to the wages I get paid, I also should have a piece of that company mm-hmm. uh, so that way I have a stake in that company and the company's growth and future. And uh, what it it does is it helps the employee to get part of the uh, company so that way the employee works harder to make the company better. And also when uh, the company does well, Uh, The top uh, management, they are also doing very well and the company grows and uh, there is no need to uh, lay off people who are working so hard. Mm -hmm. And so I think the productivity in a global economy is very critical and uh, worker participation and uh, through uh, uh, ownership of the company, I think it is going to make American companies uh, competitive globally. I think right. that's the message. Well, yes. and, and I, I, I get
1: that. And that is the solution, which we're going to talk about. I was just trying to make, because I, I assume there is a, a nuance that I want to clarify, which when we talk about property, we're not actually talking about physical, say, land or real estate in this sense, because- Well, well,
2: well, well yeah, no, no, real, real estate, but let's, let's, let's be clear. Let's be clear, Chris. In the information age, let's here's a very bright line. It's another thing that needs to be etched in stone. In the information age, which you just spoke of, you simply cannot get ahead on wages alone. You must acquire technologically driven, income-producing capital, w- regardless of its form, whether it's real estate, stocks, bonds, whatever. Um, and basically, when you, when you own a stock, you own a piece of a business. So, And when you own real estate, income-producing real estate. Um, I, we we had one of our colleagues, uh, Professor Blasey, distinguished professor from Rutgers. He was on Fox Business. And um here's someone one of the, I won't mention embarrassed the person that was one of the hosts of the of Fox Business, a very well-known host. He said, well, everyone that owns a house, they have they have uh, owned property. Uh, yeah, but he forgot to tell you, and we looked it up you know how many people that were in, in game shows that actually won a house that eventually had to give the house up?
1: Yeah, due to real estate taxes. I've heard about that.
2: Because they couldn't afford it. Because, he, now here's someone that, here's someone, in, you know, um, and Professor Blasi was too, was too uh, polite, but here's someone that's on a major uh, business channel that's giving out bad advice, erroneous advice, just because you own a house. I don't know about you, Chris, but unless that house is, is grow is, 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 is has a tremendous capital appreciation and growing real estate market. Most of the time that is a net negative to your income. It's not a net positive. You have, you have, you have, you know, a whole range of things where it costs you money. So just owning a house that is not necessarily an income producing property. I own income producing real estate. Uh, and and that is, that is a, that's what you you want to go towards that or stocks or bonds or something that has, that has either, a capital that is going to grow. So that's right. amazing that someone on on a major a major network um would would give out bad information. Your uh, your your residence your domicile is not necessarily uh, a place where you're going to count on for for your income. That
1: that's great, and I appreciate you uh, mentioning that. And I do want to kind of we've touched on it. Obviously, the listeners now know the kind of theory that you're putting forth or the solution with the third way in having ownership having the workers have ownership in the companies yes. and so i first want to to go to this point where well let's do this i'll have you you want to spell it out further is there more that you want to talk about in the specifics yes because i think that's important Man.
2: yeah 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 well okay let's talk about the plan you want, you want go ahead. all right um first of all let's we uh The the real low hanging fruit, which everyone talks about, is our corporate uh, corporate tax rate, which is the highest in the world. It's an abomination. It is a convoluted uh, mess of interest groups and and, and, uh, companies that that at thirty five percent. It's a discouragement to 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 business. And most of the time, let's face it, a, a business, even if they they try to either avoid the tax and if they pay the tax, the taxes passed along to the consumer. So the business doesn't ne- actually pay. People don't realize that. The business doesn't really pay the taxes. It's paid. To, we, we consumers pay it in the form of high prices and, and things of that nature. So almost everyone on the Republican side is talking about um, cutting the corporate tax rate. We agree. However, and here's and I, this is a, a, a hardcore Republican, and I'll challenge anybody. Uh, I would say not one dime. Would I give in tax relief, unless it's shared with the workers. Otherwise it's just another stop and it's going to make the income inequality problem worse. Yes. We need to cut the corporate tax rate. We advocate cutting the corporate tax rate by 50%. All right. Uh, if it's shared in the form of a tax credit to the workers and in one of our most dramatic proposals, we have three points. The second thing is in the inner cities, in the urban and rural enterprise zones, cut it to zero. And if you grant those that, that, those tax credits to workers that live in those areas, can you imagine, Chris, what that would do to our inner cities? Now, I re- reside in, a, in in suburbia. It's a, one of the nicest communities in the country, Bernards Township, Basking Ridge. But I grew up in the in the tough, hard streets of Newark, New Jersey. So I understand the hood. I understand what's going on. I also understand that we 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 pump not millions, but billions and billions of dollars into into inner cities. in Newark alone, all right public money what it needs is private investment private money so cutting that corporate tax rate would bring in private revenue and more importantly imagine what that would do i get goosebumps just talking about this what it would do for the culture of the citizens and young people living in those areas where they could now own a piece of those companies let me tell you something you're not gonna you're not gonna spray paint a building that you own and you ain't gonna let your homeboys do it either. It makes sense. But now what about this? Let's talk about because I like you know,
1: seeing it capitalism that you guys are calling it inclusive capitalism, and yeah. from as much as I know, capitalism by itself, by its nature, is not inclusive, right? It's kind of the survival of the fittest, if you will. Right. So right. if I'm an investor in a company and you say, hey, we have ten million dollars here. We can either pay it out in dividends, we can do stuff to grow the company further, but whatever it is. Or we can um, give it to our employees. I think a lot of sh- the short-sightedness or the quarter-to-quarter, you know, stock price things that we manipulate, ten times out of ten, shareholders are going to say, no, 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 don't give it to employees. They're they're fine. They're making a livable wage at sixty thousand dollars or whatever, something kind of ridiculous. But give it to me here. Get you know, how do we change that mindset? Or am I wrong in that?
3: Well, I, I think the key key here is that when you look at some of the corporations that have been giving uh, ESOPs, uh, uh, employee stock ownership uh, plans that is under the federal legislation, uh, like, for example, I uh, worked for AT&T and we had a 401k plan at the time. Uh, I was working and uh, uh, was a match for every dollar I put uh, the uh, for every three $2 I put, the company was putting $3, something like that, and 66% match. Mm-hmm. And so what happened, that was able to allow me to retire at the age of 48. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are talking about. And also, when you look at the, these are large corporations and publicly traded, But one of the legislations I proposed when I was a legislator, at the state level also we could do the similar thing, give 30% tax credits uh, to uh, companies which uh, which are privately held and under 500 employees, small businesses, mom and pop shops on Main Street. And they when they are trying to sell their companies and uh, if you give them the uh, you know, 30% tax credit, they can uh, use that to uh, sell the companies locally rather than sell it to uh, other states. And so that way you can retain the local employment. I think that's the key. I think uh, at the state level, you can do that. Federal level, you have the ESOPs making sure that we do the funding, proper funding, adequate funding for the ESOPs so that way the federal program continues. And also the uh, state of Iowa introduced a legislation and it became law uh, trying to give our tax credits to small businesses so that way they, small businesses share. Uh, Their uh, uh, the company shares with the employees. I think that's the key. I think uh, one of the ways you can address the unemployment issue is that you create more and more uh, employee-owned companies, so that way there will be uh, less unemployment. Yes, yes, Chris. If you have intelligent public policy, if you have
2: intelligent public policy, it's not a zero-sum game because now, if you if you follow our plan and you you give those tax credits uh then it's it's not i've I've talked to lots of business people and they say absolutely i would i would share with my employees if i didn't have to i have two choice give me two choices send the money down to you know down to washington or share with your employees 100 percent of the time they'd say they'd rather share with the employees now even without that let's remember big like microsoft uh apple google virtually all of silicon valley was built with employee ownership and and, and ESOP, ESOP money because that's how they attracted attracted the best and the brightest. But then you have older line companies like Procter and Gamble's been doing this for years. General Motors, as we know, UPS, Amazon, uh, supermarkets like Publix, uh, one of the biggest in in the south in the southeast, uh, uh, Whole Foods. These these are, this is happening uh, with with large, medium, and small sized companies because it's good for business. But can you imagine if you couple that? With these 10,000 companies that are already doing it with which if, if, if you know, hello, if we got our, our, our elected officials to understand how, how what a great idea this is. Um, and by the way, we're not we're not waiting for them. That's what we're going to the media, because if the people understand this, like if they're going to demand that mm. they will literally vote. Uh, and that's why this is a bipartisan book. Why well, I've had people that are hardcore Republicans and hardcore Democrats say, I would literally vote for the other party that I've never voted for before on this one issue alone. It's that powerful.
1: And just to clarify, because I don't know if we spelled it out, but for those that don't know, ESOP meaning employee stock ownership plan.
2: Exactly. And- That's exactly it. And it goes under a lot of names. There's about a dozen different ways you can express it. You can call it economic democracy um, and uh, broad based property ownership. Uh, Aesop, there's there's many many ways that, that the idea is expressed. Basically, it's a way of of sh- of of spreading uh, uh, capital, spreading capital to the middle and lower classes. Let I, I'll say it again: the billionaires and millionaires all know what's in our book. Let me t- Does anyone think that Donald Trump is punching a clock, people? Okay, <laughs> right? He has real estate. He has businesses that are that are printing money every single day. Wake up. You if, know what? Yeah, I people, mean, the demand that they get in on, they, they get in on
1: this. There's so, there's so many uh, kind of stories here that have had direct implications in my life and not to make this about me, but I think it highlights what you're talking about. So one is my dad it can, comes from a family. He had eight siblings. Uh, they had a two bedroom place growing up, legitimately poor in the suburbs of New York. Um, a, a one working parent who did construction. Okay. They were, legit poor he went to the air force he he's a pilot now he works for fedex he's worked for fedex for i don't know 20 25 years he's a millionaire i mean not super millionaire but multi-millionaire right got a couple million bucks um owns uh, two houses um had three for The, the point is by by no, he has never made more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, which is yep. is a good amount of money. But yeah. that's the max, and even that has been for maybe the past five ten years. Mm-hmm. The reason he has plenty of money and will forever is he has a retirement pension. He will make a, a decent amount of money forever from FedEx that is yep. already funded through their pension plan. Yes. yes. And I look at him and I go, look, you've put in decades of hard work, you know, in the Air Force and all that, but yes. I will never have that luxury. And I yes. get a little frustrated.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And and listen, let me tell you something, Chris, on how old you are, but uh, when you when we speak to here, here's what's happening is the, the, the young people we see in the colleges and universities, they are desperate for this idea. I mean, they they they, they bought the hope and change, you know, the great slogans. And now we got. Uh, You know, the people I was asked on media the other day about the Republicans, you know, a lot of great slogans and and hot air, quite frankly. Where are the where is the policies? Uh, This issue, by the way, that we're talking about was poll tested and the poll polling came back at at 70, 80, 90 percent off the chart. You can't get people to agree on what day it is. But when you when you put an idea like inclusive capitalism in front of them and sharing the wealth, young people. Are, are, are fired up about this. And let me talk to anyone that's an older person. You want to do the biggest favor to, to, to a person in your life, a middle age or young person, when you get them the third-way book, uh, you will show them the most fundamental thing they have to do to survive and thrive. This will be handed down literally from generation to generation. It's the most important thing that, that people can do for themselves and for their families. What we like to say is save the country, save the world, Save yourself. Yeah. Learn what's in this book.
0: And now a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by the online education gurus over at Creative Live. Creative Live offers great online classes that help people enhance or dig into new skills like photography, design, music production, and business savvy. You can watch classes in their massive online catalog. There's always something streaming for free and learn from the best. Experts like Lewis Howes. Ryan Holiday, and Alex Bloomberg will show you how to hone your creative skills and be the best at doing what you love. Go to creativelive.com slash smart people for 20% off any of Creative Live's classes. Join millions of students from around the world and make your living doing what you love. Again, that's creativelive.com slash smart people for 20% off. And now back to the episode.
1: Well, you know what else is interesting is so I'm I'm a Democrat. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that. But I it's not I don't just associate with a party. If there was a great Republican that I believe in, that's fine. I'd vote for him. It's really all about policy. And so um, I've always looked at corporations as evil just because that's kind of I'm a millennial and, you know, all that. Okay, sure. Um, Or companies in general for profits. So uh, then we created this podcast for fun. And it started making money—not a ton of money, but a decent amount—and we yep. have to start paying taxes. And at a, at a basically a thirty percent rate, mm-hmm. um, we don't have the ability to get out of our taxes or anything like that, right? Because yep. we don't make a lot of money. So we made the most money this past year. We want to grow the show. We want to provide a better service. We want to do uh, internet, you know, web-based content. We want to do uh, YouTube content, etc. And we were thinking, man, it'd be great to hire one or two people, maybe part-time, maybe um, from another country, right? We'd use something like Odesk or Elance or whatever. And, yeah. you know, somebody in India or, you know, to to lift this global economy up. The problem yeah. is we literally cannot afford it. When you take our expenses and our taxes, it is the, what comes to us, if you will, is almost nothing. Yeah. And that's when I realized... Man, we worked for five years to turn this into a tiny business, and we are going to pay the vast majority in yeah. taxes.
3: Yes, it's while, crazy. While large corporations are paying zero,
0: yes.
3: minimal taxes yes. because they have very good accountants and good lawyers. Exactly, and they're able to get away with that.
1: Right. So, how do we? What What's the solution there? Like, I like tell me about how the third way solves this problem that I am directly seeing.
2: Well, let me tell you straight straight out, uh, Chris. Once this if this idea and we've we hit it at the, it precisely the, the perfect time with this idea gets out and gets into the mainstream at the election, this would literally decide the next president of the United States. No question about it. The idea is that powerful because people people literally are, are desperate for real hope, real change, not sloganeering. And this is this is something that would help businesses. Um, it would help it help the employees and help the economy in general. Because it's just common sense. You're just gonna you're gonna give more of your effort to something that you that you belo- belong to and believe in, and the corporation wins because we're cutting their we're cutting their tax rate. Uh, let me give you one other thing that if uh, you talk about really stupid public policy, which is the third leg of our of our proposal. It's in our it's on our website, thethirdwaybook.com. We're we calling for a reinstitution of the 50% income exclusion for banks that make loans to companies that were doing this. Do you know this was on the books and both uh, Bush 41 and the Clinton administration, 50-50, one took half of it out, the other one took the other half out and destroyed that. You talk about one of the dumbest things ever in the history of of political theory or political policy was they took that away. And and at the time, almost every company was beginning to form a Office in their in their uh, in their business to begin to explore this idea and put these into place. That would have literally solved all this problem. But but it was Dan Rustinkowski, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, who eventually went to jail, by the way, uh, for stealing postage stamps. I mean, this is the kind of people that are running our country. Um, he he abolished that idea, and 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 the mud is on the hands of both the former Clinton administration and the Bush administration. They wiped this out. This 50% in- income exclusion to help banks make these loans to companies so they can give this stock away, that needs to be reinstituted. Reinstit- so Good. cut the corporate tax rate 50%, 100% in the enterprise zones, bring back that income exclusion, and you would change the dynamic of public policy
3: in this country for workers, peoples, and companies. For example, Chris, if give, the banks give you a loan and then they get 50% off, and I think uh, you'll be able to take that money uh, to hire the people. And uh, share uh, your company right. shares with the employees, and that's that that's a path for you to grow as a company.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, for the non-economists, or you know, really most of us out here, explain how this could actually work in terms of because the fear, as you mentioned earlier, is we cut corporate taxes and knowing corporations, right? In in capitalism, their job, their pretty much sole job is to increase shareholder value. Right. So if you cut taxes the most direct thing that make that you know w- would make sense in our current environment is to somehow just give that money to shareholders essentially
3: yeah. well i think if you make if you make the employees the shareholders also and uh, then of course they will also get the mm. benefits Intr-
1: okay yep i never thought about it like that even yeah. though that is by definition the what idea. It, the
3: idea behind the book is that make the employees uh, part owners of the company, right. not just the top management, but also the all levels of employees should be part of the company.
2: Yes, and and Penderborough, another point: we 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 should not let this go by. Cut out the loopholes. Do you know GE, one of the biggest companies in, in the country, paid almost no taxes? Oh yeah. Well, people hear that all the time. That's the headline. So yeah. I mean,
1: essentially we're saying, okay, cut corporate tax loopholes, lower corporate taxes, and then
2: somehow force them to like Don't force, no, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it. Yeah, because because then you'll get my Republican friends all up in arms. Okay. It's it's a voluntary program. And that's where they right away they're gonna sit there. And I've seen this, I've seen this. When, when when this idea starts to percolate up, right away they go, oh, you're going to force corporate- no. Wait, this but is- how can you cut how can you cut corporate taxes and then say, hey, if you
1: want to give it to employees, go ahead. They're going to say, no, screw you. I'm going to take it I for myself. Think- I'm going to make CEOs
3: get paid a thousand times more than just two hundred. You know what I mean? No, no. I think the cre- here is that not mandating them, but creating the incentives for the corporation and it's making a- sure that the money, that tax money that you are giving, tax breaks that you are giving is uh, passed on to the employee owners. Ah, I got you.
1: So so it's not that, so is it that you would lower corporate tax rate or is it that you would make it the same, but say you get a tax break if and only if it goes to the employees? Exactly. Gotcha.
2: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now listen, our proposal is bold. There's no doubt about it. we're we're say, we're we're advocating dollar for dollar um, in, in in the tax credit. Uh, listen, when it gets when it got into ways and means, if they said okay, uh, we would we would do this if we, if you got two dollars of, of, of a tax credit for one dollar of of uh, uh, shares to 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 an employee, I mean that could all be negotiated out. And by the way, Pendra is a uh, is a genius, is a legislative genius. He has how many laws? 70, mm-hmm. seven more than 70 laws. <laughs> he knows. He, you know, he he knows how how to bring compromise. Federal government, yeah, the federal, state. Government,
3: federal government is a mystery to everybody.
2: Right, <laughs> <laughs> but but Pender, Pender is a very 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 wise man and wise uh, politician, and I'm honored that he's my my co-author. We could find, uh, you know, a compromise to bring that. But the main thing is th- to keep the the genesis of the idea. The the main part of the idea is. Yes, you know, share property. And the best way to do it is with shares of corporations. And the, the low hanging fruit is this obvious, really dumb way of trying to raise revenue through the highest corporate tax rate in the world. That is a really stupid. Uh, but and you're hearing a lot about it. But again, not one dime. If I was a, I would unless it's shared with workers.
1: So now how about this? Um we lower corporate tax rates, so essentially the government is collecting less taxes, which means, I mean, at its core, right, smaller government, which is fine.
2: No, no. I, I don't, well, not necessarily, not necessarily, because remember, remember, don't, please don't forget, we are cut, we, we advocate cutting out the loopholes. Also, um, in in those when those shares are granted, you know, the now the employees a portion of that you know they have income now. They have that, that that some of that is paid by the employees. So there's a lot of ways to. To, to work this through, that it's really a, a, a neutral, a net neutral. There's really no loss of revenue. Plus, and a lot of uh, uh, presidential candidates have been saying this, if you do cut that corporate, don't forget growth. You're going to make up a lot of that ground in growth. They are talking about that. So there's no doubt about it. If you lower those, 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 those uh, corporate tax rates, first of all, you're going to stop having all these companies uh, Headquarter overseas. What do you think is happening? We're literally driving companies. That's pretty obvious. We're driving corporate corporations and their headquarters overseas because we have a worldwide system instead of a territorial corporate tax system. Um, So you literally punish someone for having their corporation headquartered in the United States. Again, a really stupid idea. Yeah. Yes, we want to we want to have corporations, um, you know, headquartered here. Mm -hmm. uh, But, you know, if you put the whole uh, mix together it should result in, in in
3: increased growth. And that should also make up for there really should be no loss of revenue. One of the interesting things about the uh, idea here is that uh, uh, President Ronald Reagan, who's respected by so many, he supported that and he was an advocate for employee ownership. Mm-hmm. Also, currently, the presidential candidate, Bernie Sanders, yes. he's also one of the... Uh, speeches at the ESOP convention he talked about mm-hmm. how why it is important that employees should be part of the uh, company so that way the uh, the, uh, the disparity will uh, decrease mm-hmm. can you imagine, can you imagine that
2: chris chris if you go on our website the com with the number 3 the letter the number 3 you will literally see we have the archive footage of both president ronald reagan republican and Socialist Democrat Bernie Sanders, both giving speeches, and they're almost identical. They're both advocating this idea. On it's this amazing on this, on, this it's issue, idea. on this one issue. On this one issue, it's amazing. It's mind blowing. And now you see, you have uh, the former Deputy Speaker Democrat Pendra Shivakula, myself, a Republican Committee a Lifetime Republican. We're on this issue. We agree one hundred percent because it's common sense. Well, wait, Benny. Let me ask you real quick. Are you going to vote for Bernie? Uh, well, let me tell you something. Uh, I, I, I am not hoping. This is one of the reasons I'm doing this. I, I want to get the word out to my Republican brethren. I am hoping, I am praying, if they need me, I will beg them, for God's sakes, wake up and get see this idea. Because once they see it, whoever does this, I'll say it again, whoever picks up on this idea will be the, is the decisive issue, will literally change the election. Someone in the middle of the pack could literally overtake the top candidates with this one issue it pulls it at eighty nine eighty and ninety percent it 's that powerful because it solves the whole the, the the economic issue of the day income inequality well here 's the thing,
1: assuming that nothing changes and bernie but especially i mean this is what i i was go, i think as well, but you guys kind of clarify is the closest to this. And, and the government, especially at the federal level, seems to be more on like an iterative change, right? You have to get somebody to just start. Cre- if he's the closest and nothing changes, would you vote for him?
2: Or uh, l- l- I, Listen, I, le- I, I I admire him. I think he's bringing up a lot of good issues. The system is corrupt. Uh, we have crony capitalism now. We like to call it concentrated capitalism, where now 80 uh, percent of the capital wealth is owned by by 20% of the people, when we get to a point where it's not uh, 10% own 90%, we literally are back to a feudalistic society mm-hmm. that, that Washington and Jefferson, that they fled Europe to get away from that. Mm-hmm. We're getting closer and closer to that. However, because of his, I, he's right on this issue. But unfortunately, like we say in the book, when you go all the way to socialism, you have yeah. going too far. you Yeah. You go off the cliff because what is he doing? He's now empowering the government. Right. Not pri- that's the big that's the bright line we have to understand here, Chris, mm-hmm. is we are talking about power to the people, power to the private enterprise, not empowering the state. Um, many of your top uh, radio talk shows, they talk about what they call it a statist status. We are not advocating that. Mm-hmm. We want private capital. In the private hands which is what our founding fathers wanted which is what lincoln wanted which is what uh bernie wants and ronald Reagan wanted but but we you know if bernie kept it just to that issue that'd be great But unfortunately right. have to but he you know it's all the other stuff that goes along with it right. that is proven not to work history shows socialism and communism does not work
1: is it and again you guys are the experts here so just pardon my ignorance but isn't a lot of, say, like, I don't know, Denmark, Norway, a lot of the countries that are seem to be amazing,
2: aren't they socialist? Look at their unemployment rate. I, look, I don't I honestly look, don't know. That's why I'm look, at, I'm look at their GDP. Look
3: at their GDP. It's it's, it's 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 there's the productivity. If you look at it, you know, they have. Uh, a lot, the number of uh, hours in a day and number of days in a, a month or a year they are working a lot less than American workers mm-hmm. are working very hard mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, I don't think they're getting all the benefits I think what we are saying is that capitalism mm. is working because yes. anybody you know there's no starting point wherever you start and if you have the right ideas right uh, uh, circumstances, you could become a multi-millionaire, a billionaire in this country. Gotcha. And but what what we're saying is that not not everybody has that kind of innovation uh, ability, and so we should encourage all the people to be uh, as long as they're uh, putting uh, productive time towards growing the company, they should be part owners of that company. I think right. that's what we're saying. Yeah. And uh, we're not talking about. The giving money to the people, but they have to work. They have to earn it. And in addition to earning the wages, they have to be rewarded with the part of the company.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Chris, it really comes down to three choices and they're on our website, the uh, thirdwaybook.com. There's really only three choices. Either you're going to have, either one is a redistribution welfare state. The second is, which we're, we're barreling towards, which is a plutocracy, Rule by the rich or feudalistic society or the third way, which is a broad based inclusive capitalism. It's one of those three choices. Um, The first two are really bad.
1: Right. So walk through something with me here real quick, because this is one of the things I always I I don't want to say get confused about or, or just wonder how we're going to solve it. But so oftentimes people talk about, you know, the government being wasteful. I, I live in DC. I have friends who work for the government. I'm not going to go in it, but the government is wasteful and nobody has to, you know, whatever it just is. Okay. Yes, it's yes. not nearly as efficient as a corporation, sure. but there is a value say there are things that the government does that corporations won't do. For example, uh, when we, I always use the example, when we went to the moon, like, that that didn't have any it didn't we didn't see a an ROI and we couldn't predict what the, the technological advances that would come from that. OK. Or um the military. Right. Like we put so yeah. much money into the military and then you have Republicans who are saying, like, we need to strengthen it and how Obama is weakening us because he's taking money from it and he's pulling troops out and all this stuff. And I just wonder, like, how does your plan um. How does it relate to the issue of, you know, a smaller government? But I just worry because I think I'm for it. And look, I'm still forming my opinions and nobody here really cares what my opinion is anyways. But it's like we still need the government to fill the potholes on the road, get the schools in working condition, keep the country safe, explore new, you know. So if we put too much money in the hands of people and I'm not saying that's what you're advocating for, I'm just going to the extreme. And then they spend it on, I don't know, clothes or something or, you know, whatever, or they just hoard it. How does that how does that work? Or did you address that at all?
3: Well, I I think uh, one one of the important points I want to make about the government is that uh, you know people, everybody says we don't want government, but how they all benefit from it whether you're <laughs> exactly it, whether you are getting Medicare, you're getting a healthcare programs, whatever it is they are benefiting and the state government, local government they're all benefiting from that and uh, the 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 key here is that uh, there is a role for government that's for the first first thing. Yeah. what we are saying is that uh, government is collecting taxes, whether the IRS or the state government they are collecting uh, taxes, and if we can create uh, and create incentives for the corporations, right? And so that way they can share that the growth of the company and the wealth of the company with their employees. And it's not something like, you know, it depends. I don't think a lot of it is going to be in the form of uh, You know, 401k plans, and there are restrictions in terms of uh, at what age you can withdraw and how much you can withdraw. So there are. It's not like it's like a slush fund that people are handing out so that they can go and shop at Macy's or other stores. I think what we are saying that we are we have to educate the people also that. what the uh, rich people know that the poor people or middle uh, class don't know. And go, Rupendra, go. <laughs> I, 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 that's very important. We have to provide that education and say, look, you know, there is a way. This is a path for mm-hmm. you to create the wealth. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, not every, you know if you are foolish and you want to throw it away. And I think most of the people are very smart. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're not going to uh, throw it away. I think they're going to take this opportunity. People are looking for this type of uh, opportunities to grow their wealth. And a lot of them don't have, they don't know where to look to. And they look to the unions and unions have uh, been struggling in terms of a lot of the uh, challenges they face in terms of their their pushing for minimum wage increases and things like that. But I think we we need to think about ownership. And that is what we are... uh, uh advocating for and i think uh, that is not going to uh, i think that is going to make more people millionaires right uh, and chris let me you, you say you're on the fence i'm going to convince you and your
2: listeners right now and the word is human nature and we address this very powerfully in the book human nature you must work and this is what the founders understood this is where checks and balances came from if you work with human nature versus against it You will always succeed. The reason we're in trouble now is because we are lost. We've forgotten the lessons of history. We've forgotten the wisdom of our founding fathers. When you work with human nature, and and that's where ownership comes in, no one will ever take care of you and your wealth better than you will yourself. Let me give you an analogy. Chris, have you ever taken your rental car to a car wash?
1: <laughs> of course Absolutely. not.
2: Right. Of course not. When you stay in a hotel room, you treat it the same as you do your own house? I don't. I throw the towels on the floor, okay? I don't make my bed. Just to give you a, an example. So when you – these are obviously – now, in the extreme example, look at communist China and Mao Zedong. We addressed this very, very powerfully in the book. Uh, people may have heard of what was called the Cultural Revolution – what was the cultural, quote unquote, cultural revolution Mao believed that he could literally reshape people's human nature and have them uh, want to give themselves to the state and not think of their own needs. Unfortunately, it was a catastrophic mistake. Literally millions of people died. Uh, and look at the old Soviet Union um, where people, you know, eventually what happens is if you're working really, really hard and I'm not, and we're getting the same wage, eventually you say, what am I knocking myself out for? I might as well be like like, uh, the other person. And so eventually, everyone just starts looking after themselves, taking care of themselves, and pretty soon you had situations where they weren't producing enough food, people were starving to death. Uh, So it doesn't work. This idea of um, this utopia, and let me tell you something. When anyone promises you some kind of utopia, run the other way. And we say this idea works. Nothing's 100 percent. But let me tell you, it is by far the best and greatest idea, the best evolution that man can come up with in terms of political and social evolution. And because you're working with human nature, not against it. It's what our founders knew. It's what Lincoln knew. It's what uh, many of our greatest people in history knew. We need to rediscover that and and, and bring common sense back and have common sense in public policy, that would change everything for the better and solve income inequality permanently.
1: I want to mention this. You know, you you said uh, I'm on the fence. I'm actually not on the fence in this (laughs) in this specific issue or in what you guys are saying. I I again like i'm no scholar economist historian so i go off of kind of what we've talked about and i'm going to get emails from people that say oh you didn't ask him this and that's just not what i'm here for so i'm trying to do the best i can
2: listen i understand we we like we like the challenge. Yeah. yeah so, so, no, I, I, that. I, I actually really like the idea. And,
1: and personally, I worked for Prudential for six years, but one of the best companies I've ever worked for, they had an employee stock purchase plan. That was incredible. The most money I've ever had was when I left that there. Um, and I had been donating, not donating, but, um, investing in that for about four years, I had built up a, a good amount of money, which allowed yeah. me to take time off and build two businesses, yes. which So. I, I see this in action and I don't think I understood it then. I just, I was a finance major and said, this makes sense. I'm going to put as much as possible into it. Um, what I was talking about is more really almost this frustration, right? Because let me, let me make this point and let you guys explain, or, you know, tell me about it, what you think. So, um, I don't know of many people who would say we shouldn't cut out tax loopholes. I think it's one of those things that everybody agrees with. But in the same way, I recently heard the statistic that the vast majority of Americans support stricter gun laws. Now, they don't actually want to get rid of guns, but the vast majority of people say we need stricter gun laws. The reason it's not happening is because of lobbyists and the power and influence of the NRA and, and, and gun lobbyists, right? In the same way, I feel like that's what I get. I struggle with here. It's like I don't see many people saying this is a bad idea or
2: at least this is worse
1: than what we currently have. Some,
2: they don't even know if that's the problem. Not only did not only did the, the, the elected officials, it's not on their radar screen. That's what we're doing this. We OK, are- but talk about but but think about the tax loopholes specifically. Mm-hmm. And I'm like,
1: why hasn't that happened yet? And it has to be because of the power in the few in the hands of the few and the rich and how do we change that? Because it's almost. I just sometimes feel like, and this is what the the Occupy movement came from. Like, there's nothing we can do. They have too much power.
3: Let me let me give you an example, Chris. If there are two lines, let's say they're equal length, and how do you make one line longer than the other line without uh, using the eraser? You
1: make it thinner.
3: No, you make well, one of the lines uh, make it a little bit bigger, uh, longer. <laughs> uh- so that what we are <laughs> saying is that. What you are saying is that you are uh, will not will not, we'll not be able to uh, you know address this income inequality in you know, overnight. It's going to take some time, long sure. time. And uh, the billionaires, million, millionaires, they continue to exist. But what we are saying, advocating for, is that we need to create more millionaires mm-hmm. and through employee ownership. And I think uh, anyway, they got all these presidential candidates they are advocating for tax cuts. And uh, yeah, the Republicans uh, go for tax cuts, and Democrats say, "Oh, we want to increase." Uh, you know, the they should tax cuts should benefit the poor and the middle class. And so, what we're saying is that uh, you know, when you give the tax cuts, make sure that those tax cuts go to the employ employee ownership companies, so that way they use that tax cuts to directly pass it on to the employees. Yes. and that that is that's what the message is, and. Uh, you know, there is going to be. It's not an easy thing to. You know, there are going to be people uh, uh, naysayers about this idea. They're going to say, "Well, the, you know, this is a give a, a corporate uh, the, uh, tax giveaway. The corporations are going to give it to their law, uh, the top management."
2: Right. I thought that so, too. <laughs> yeah, we, but not
3: not not if it's stri-
2: not if it's if it's if it's, it's handled properly. properly.
3: Yeah, it's handled properly. Right. I think so. You know, IRS code, tax code is there. IRS is overseeing. Uh, when they are deducting those tax, uh, getting the tax incentives.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense too because we have such, we 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 do this stuff all the time with our tax code, right? I mean, sure, there sure. are a billion different things you can do, so it's essentially let's trim it down and make this one of the main focuses with the corporate. All
3: code. the candidates are advocating for a simpler tax code, right? I mean, that is, why, I mean, of that 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 means you are going to be eliminating many of the loopholes. I right. think that is the key eliminating the loopholes, but to making sure whatever cuts, tax cuts you're giving are going to the right places. You right. Know, they have to be earmarked for that particular purpose. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, great point, Pendra. In other words, what we're saying, and it was been advocated by uh, distinguished Professor Joseph Blasey um, on many of the media outlets was, and we agree with him, is, yes, there are legitimate deductions and legitimate tax, uh, you know, uh, benefit tax uh, credits that can be given but this is the most important one as a matter of fact we believe this should supersede all other deductions in other words if you if you don't have some form of shared capitalism and equity sharing that should be the prerequisite for getting any other deductions hmm, interesting it's, yeah yeah uh, like basically chris uh, you know in, in general the idea in general uh, this is not a small idea. This is a very, very big idea because we have to move to something like this because technologically is driving everything. Right. We, bench, we, we currently have an 18th century economic model in a 21st century world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you go to our website, the you'll see in the research tab, there's also two tabs. One is an action step tab where people can literally take action. We've literally given them sample letters where they can write their elected representatives, how they can contact the media, exactly what to do. People can be an army of one. We've made it really easy for them. But we also show them the, the, the simple data and the charts, one of the charts, which I believe and many have said uh, it was, was developed by Lewis Kelso and his wife, Patricia Kelso, which were the founders of the, of the movement that today has nearly 15 million people uh, and, and just in the United States across the world. There was a chart that I believe in the field of economics is as important and powerful as E equals MC squared was in the field of physics. It's that powerful. And it shows this at the dawn of our uh, republics in 1776. Coincidentally, that also many believe was the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. Ninety percent of productive power came from labor, 10 percent from capital. And there's almost a straight line graph. They've charted this out. To now in the in the in the 21st century in the year 2000 and beyond, 90% of productive power is coming from capital, 10% from labor, and that continues to accelerate. Today, Chris, there's more power in each person's cell phone than would put a man on the moon, Oh, yeah. and that's not going to stop. Yeah, no, that that doesn't those statistics don't surprise me at all. Yeah, so so if you don't understand, there's you know if you don't understand what's driving this inequality, the millionaires and billionaires understand they have to own capital technologically driven income producing capital is where the future is. We have to really, the reason there's such unrest is we've literally decoupled labor from capital.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: like ripping a bedsheet apart. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we wrote, it's on the cover of our book and it took us a long time before we put the word revolution, reform or revolution. It's that serious. Mm-hmm. And to, to put that word on the book took a lot of thought But we're it's that grave. If you don't do something very similar to what we're saying, which is broad based property ownership, the the, the two labor and capital, if you don't relink them together with with some intelligent public policy, you will literally rip society apart. We're already seeing it on the streets of our inner cities. And the middle class is really upset. They don't understand what's happening to them, but they're being massacred Mm -hmm. because of of tectonic forces that
3: are driving this
2: absolutely you know,
3: Chris, one uh, you know there was a statement by treasury in uh, us treasury in the year 2000 uh, regarding the pension policies they say that uh, the aim of the national policy in this area should be to ensure equitable distribution of pension benefits so all we are saying is that change the uh, replace the words pension benefits to incentive based pay. Yeah. And the the statement would apply. I think that is what we are advocating in this book. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
1: Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. This has been (laughs) enlightening. I, you know, I anticipate some emails and feedback and I'll be sure to let you know. Uh, Again, the book is the third way. Is there anywhere else that you want to guide our listeners? I know we mentioned the website a few times. Any anything else that you want to let them know?
3: No, I think the ESOP Association has a link. You I think they should also visit the uh, the website of the ESOP Association okay. ESOP, yeah. and that's important. Also, we have a, a companion book, uh, you know, authored by. Uh, uh, Professor uh, Joseph Blasi, uh, is called The Citizen Share yes. and I think that's also a good read but it's more for academia but I think the thoughts about uh, what our founding fathers taught mm. uh, thought about about ownership and uh, we many uh, museum and I have myself you know we wanted to bring it down to a common person so that way you know not everybody is an uh, economist I think we wanted to put in the uh, terms uh, people can understand. Yeah, and uh, yesterday, the other day when I was on the radio, and then you know, my my wife's friend's mother listened to it, and so they he makes sense. Maybe <laughs> she was telling her daughter to go buy the book. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what I mean. pay attention to this issue. Do your own research. Uh, come up with the questions, and uh, Veni and I myself are open to any questions, and uh, we can you know through the website you can send us some. Uh, uh, you can communicate uh, with us with the uh, the third way with the number three, uh, the thirdwaybook.com dot com, and you can send us some uh, questions. And uh, do you want to give an email address? Or, uh,
2: yeah. Well, no. It's every, everything. Everything depends said is on the website. All of our partners are on there. Sure. We even have the consultants, uh, the top consultants in the in the country. That if a if a business wanted to do that, they can show them literally show them how to how to do that. Um, it's a win win for the business. Um, and 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 the, the, the trade associations, the two, one in Washington and one out in California. If someone wants to know where to go to work for a company like this, you can contact them. Everything's on the website. We tried to make it as simple and user-friendly as possible. Literally, it's crashed three times. We've been inundated with people interested in this, and we literally just got started. We literally just got started. This is literally going to, um, and I said, Chris, any media outlet that gets on this, this is, you want ratings? Believe me, people are desperate to hear this message.
3: <laughs> we want uh, Donald Trump to listen to this message also. <laughs> yeah, wow. not only focus on this uh, terrorism, but also talk about some economic issues that are affecting the middle class and the poor class. Wow, yeah. We'll, we'll have to make, so we'll, 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 we'll have
1: to make Donald we'll Trump another it. episode. I'll tell you that much. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you
1: so much for being on. Really appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you All right. Thanks so much. for Your time great questions. Really good. Right. Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Upendra and Venny. Remember their book, The Third Way, Economic Reform or Social Revolution, The Solution to Income Inequality, Building Inclusive Capitalism Through Employee Ownership, How Wealth is Created, oh boy, that was a doozy, can be found on Amazon or at your local bookstore. And if you do decide to purchase it on Amazon, please do not forget to use the Smart People Podcast Amazon link located at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash amazon. If you're looking for other free, easy ways to support the show, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating and review over there. It truly does help out the show, only takes a couple minutes to do so, and we are very, very appreciative for every single review we receive, so thank you. The holidays are quickly approaching, so I hope everybody gets an opportunity to spend some time with some friends, family, loved ones, whoever that may be. And you just get the opportunity to reflect on 2015 and start to look forward to 2016. Our best of 2015 episodes are coming up the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for those, and we will see you all after the new year. Thanks again to the online education gurus over at Creative Live for sponsoring today's episode. Creative Live offers great online classes that help people enhance or dig into new skills like photography, design, music production, and business savvy. You can watch classes in their massive online catalog. There's always something streaming for free. Go to creativelive.com/smartpeople for 20% off any of Creative Live's classes. That's creativelive.com/smartpeople. Join millions of students from around the world And make your living doing what you love.